bad living the dream, man. <laughs> I feel you. I think we're good. I think I got it all recording and stuff like that. So, can you hear me clear? Yeah, I can hear you clear. How do I sound? No, you sound fine. Sounds oh, perfect. I mean, the audio is not the the best. You sound like you're on like you're on the phone for sure. All right, hold on. Let me uh, let me try something. Let me shut these off and go to my uh. All right, can you hear me now? Oh, that's way better. A million times better. All right, cool. Sweet. Yeah, it's my computer mic now that I'm using. I'm oh, okay. mad because so I was supposed to be back in Florida by now, and I have like a nice headphone setup and like microphone that I use for work. Uh-huh. But we ended up having to stay up north for another week, and I'm like, oh crap, I have to do the podcast on uh-huh. <laughs> this week. You could have just let me know. It's all good though. Uh, it's it no sounds, problem. It still sounds good. All right, cool, perfect. So, uh, I guess we'll just get right into it, man. If you want to go ahead and uh, introduce yourself, who you are, what you drive, and where you drive, all that fun okay. stuff. All right, yeah. So, uh, my name is Mike DeFusco. Um, I'm a grassroots drifter. I have been drifting for, um, I want to say, like six years or so now at this point. I kind of lost count. Um, yeah, I've been in the automotive industry for a very long time, uh, and it, it was just a matter of time until I found drifting. Uh, I'm from Philly, so I'm a club loose English town bred driver. Uh, but I, in the last year, relocated down to the uh, Gulf Coast of Florida. Mm-hmm. So driving OSW, Freedom Factory, and stuff like that now. Um, up in so this whole time, I've drifted a '92 Mitsubishi 3000 GT, a little uncommon. Yeah, and. Uh, Right now, working on finishing up my 05 CTSV. Yeah, yay, another one. <laughs> yeah, right. I forgot, like, there's been, like, so many people be- between you, uh, Sam Silva out in Texas, mm-hmm. uh, I can't remember, Mitchell something out in New York. Yeah. Damn, I can't remember all the names, Michael somewhere else. But there's quite a few now, and they're getting more popular. Yeah, it's growing. And honestly, I love to see it. I mean, with the 3000, uh, I was the first person to really like drift one of those and actually do drifting modifications to them. Mm-hmm. And I knew I was going to be the only one doing it for a while. Not a lot of people are crazy enough in the head to try and go down that route. Um, so seeing with the CTSV platform that more people are getting on board. I mean, when it comes down to it, the cost of a V1 right now is probably one of the cheaper LS stick shift cars you can get. For sure. And, you know, I'm excited to see more people get into the platform, partially because I'm already in it. I already got my car for cheap. And um, also just the fact that, you know, the more people that get involved in it, the bigger the aftermarket gets at the same time. Yeah, I was hoping for a angle kit by now, but I don't know <laughs> yeah. when that's going to happen. Aren't we all? Yeah, uh, I mean the knuckles work, but I won't. Yeah, that. that's the only thing I haven't really gone down with yet. I mean, I'm still on stock knuckles. Again, I am very close to finishing the car, so I haven't even driven it yet. Other than my 06 that like I've done donuts and stuff with. Yeah. But I know like it's pretty crazy to me that like I mean FDF kind of skipped us and they went straight to the V2s, which I don't. It's not my business, but to me, it seems like a questionable move because the V2 is like, ah, oh, come on. <laughs> it was. I was supposed to send him that shit like a year ago, and then I never got around to it. I completely forgot about it. 
and then he dropped that V2 kit. I was like, oh, hey, let me send you my shit. <laughs> yeah, it's so, it was random to me because I didn't know, I mean, I don't know of any V2 drivers, like drifters, because it's like a big, heavy car. I mean, the V1's a big, heavy car, but the V2 is a big, heavy car. Yeah, and you, well, you get the V1 down to like 3,000 pounds. Yeah, yeah. Which is manageable. Yeah, I mean, I think getting a V2 down to that weight is like near impossible. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see more guys get into it, and uh, especially with that chassis, um, because I think it has potential. I mean, I've seen you drive. I've seen Mike from Erie drive. Uh, I've seen some of the other guys drive, and like, it's doable. I mean, I think it has potential. It's just like once that aftermarket catches up, and you have like the angle kits and the things like that, it it'll make that chassis just that much easier to for people to adapt to. Yeah. Uh, I finally figured out the front issue. I've been rubbing everywhere, so the car was too low, so it needs to be raised everywhere. But when mm. I raise it, I lose all the camber I'm able to get. Yeah. So it's yeah. Like, all I have are like band aid fixes for that until I get a real um, adjustable kit in there, so I can raise the car where it needs to be. This way, it's not bottoming me out on the top of the fender or the bottom, rather the tires hitting the the underside of the fender. And uh, right. I- and then you get that adjustable lower arm that allows you to put all the camber back in the front. Exactly. Yeah. When I'm when it's you know a foot off the ground. Right. <laughs> I know it. It pained me. I put the BCs in the drift car, and uh-huh. it's in the meantime it's sitting right next to my 06, which is like on its face, and it like pained me to have to keep cranking it up, cranking it up. I'm like, <laughs> I have to keep reminding myself that this car is the functional one. Yeah. So like I keep raising it and raising it and I'm like, Oh God, it has like two fingers of wheel gap. It's so bad. <laughs> yeah. Did you, did you, uh, did you raise the rear enough so you can run, um, the correct camber? So wait, what, um, what's free rate are you running? So I'm 12 K front, 10 K rear on divorce setup, right? Actually, wait, no, I totally just lied to you. I'm 14K front, 12K rear on a divorce setup. Yeah. So. I don't know how much you're going to squat. I know mine does, but. So my black car mm-hmm. runs the same setup. Um, and it. That thing's on does... the floor, though. <laughs> yeah. It looks good. <laughs> it looks fucking and, uh, tits. But it still does squat. <laughs> but uh, at the height that I'm at in the rear with the Drift V. I was able to take out, I basically slid the lower arms all the way in. I haven't got it on the rack yet, but it is damn near close to no camber. I have a feeling that I'm probably just going to have to notch those uh, slots a little bit just to zero it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the height that I'm at, uh, the wheels that I have on the car, it just realistically, it just doesn't fit right. I mean, I have a 235 on the car with the wheels that I have, and it still pokes like crazy. Uh, which kind of led me uh, down your wheels. They are. So they're the set of Anki cogents that I used to run on the 3000, um, but they're nine and a half, 18 by nine and a half plus 12s. They're the most aggressive nine and a half that I have. Okay. And I basically have them on the car right now because uh, they were a matching set and I stole, I have Kenda's that were I used as the fronts for like one event on the 3000. So I was like, Ooh, I'm stealing these. Cause the 3000 is kind of like, in retirement mode right now i'm trying to just like clean it up and get it back to like a streetcar status that i can still drift if i want but uh i i the main drift car is going to be the v so i stole yeah 
those wheels because they had the kendas on it for the steer tires and uh yeah i mean they poke so that's kind of what led me to uh, a buddy of mine that used to be in virginia uh and a real small world situation basically came about and he now lives about an hour from me in florida and uh, it's called factory midnight style and he does a lot of fiberglass uh, he does over fenders for some Lexus big body cars, some chaser stuff, uh, nice. Jay-Z 90. And uh, so we were talking and I'm going I'm going to actually be giving him my 06, uh, my streetcar to develop a set of like wider over fenders, front and rear over fenders for the V platform. So Sick. Yeah. Uh, I think it's something. Yeah, I think it's something we all need. Uh, I talked to Mike before too, and uh, you know he definitely expressed his uh, need for something wider. And you just can't fit anything good under the car. No. And coming from the three thousand, where I can shove an eleven under the back of that car, no problem. I, I'm just used to like having those, like the cool fitment and the wide wheels. But when you can run like you know, you have to run like a thirty offset wheel. It kind of dampens everything including your style <laughs> uh the biggest issue with this fucking car is the brakes to be honest you can get those rear brakes are huge yeah that's another problem too uh, but i was thinking about even running like the base model um caliber not fucking calibers sorry uh like the rotors and stuff and then just getting some um some willwood since the willwoods are kind of a little bit more compact Mm-hmm. Than mm-hmm. say the Brembos that are that come with the car, and it weighs a lot less. Yeah, true. Um, I mean, that wouldn't even be a bad idea. Yeah, because that that what is it like thirteen and a half inch, almost fourteen inch rotor? It's a fucking mess. It's yeah, it it really is, and it's funny because you don't realize how big that rotor is until you pull it off the car, and you're like, holy crap, this thing's huge. You're like, why is it weigh this? Why is it weigh so much? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I feel like if I did that, like that's. I feel like it would lose about 50 pounds. Mm-hmm. I know it seems absurd, but that's how much these fucking things weigh. I think, what are they, like 25 pounds? 20 pounds a piece? No. Oh, yeah, that's at least. No. Maybe I'm being overdramatic. I have to double check, like, a shipping situation. But, um, yeah, I just think going with the smaller brake setup would probably help lighten the thing up, too. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, again, it's one of those things that I think the more of us that start driving these cars and start messing with them, you know, all that stuff is going to come, like whether it be from you, from me, from any other guy driving, you know, those modifications and things that are going to make the cars better drift cars at the end of the day are going to come about naturally. And I think that's basically what it needs, you know? Yeah, which is I'm sure that's how it happened with every freaking car when drifting initially started. I mean, look at the Corvettes. C65s. Yeah, those things blew up. I was looking at... I got a hair at my ass the other day. I was like, I'll sell both these fucking cars right now. I saw you list them. Yeah. Oh, so. they're not listed. Like, for real. For real. Well, the uh, if, unofficial listing. Yeah. Um, But if someone was like, I'll give you 25 grand for both, I'll be like, get them the fuck out of here right now and take everything <laughs> CTS with it. Yeah, yeah, I know. I um, I did my first comp with the three thousand last year. It was a U.S. Drift Street legal comp, uh-huh. and it was fun. I won a battle, and I got knocked out in the top sixteen by a buddy of mine that ended up winning the whole event. So I didn't feel as bad. But it was at that moment that I realized I'm like, this car is not competitive. This car is not good on certain course layouts and things like that. I kind of hit my limit with it. So 
I was going to, um, I, I wanted to find an S chassis really. And I've always wanted a V8 S14 Kuki. And in fact, my girlfriend's brother is currently building one and I'm very jealous of him. But, um, I, after realizing that I couldn't get a Kuki roller for like less than seven grand, I couldn't justify being seven grand into a build to then have to start the build. So I started looking at Corvettes and like I missed the wave on that. I was, I, again, I love C6s, always have, always will, but I just, the prices were just, it was too much. And then conveniently enough at the same time, um, this guy Dylan slid into my DMs on Instagram and he's like, dude, I have the perfect V for you to buy. And that's why I was like, you know, buying a second of a car that I already pretty much know inside and out probably wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Yeah. And I'm not the first one to do it, which I didn't want to be again, because it's not the most enjoyable thing in the world. So, yeah, I mean, that's kind of how I ended up down the V path. There were two other options before it, but I just naturally fell right back into a V1. Uh, but it is kind of nice when you have the same car. Yeah. Uh, did you? You say you're still in the stock knuckles. Did you plan on going with anything? But you're gonna go with the drift knuckles because I don't know who else makes them. So, right now, yeah, it's just stock knuckles, and I'm thinking of doing um, either the drift knuckles or. Uh, one of uh, the guys local to here is a really talented cage builder and fabricator up here in like the Northeast. He does a lot of cages for um, comp cars and just English town cars. And uh, I had him actually cut my knuckles on the 3000, uh, the second version of trial and error for knuckle cutting to see how much angle I can get. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was thinking about probably going to him, um, if anything, because Knowing that there's a potential for like an FDF in the future or something like that, I don't really want to spend a ton of money on just like a set of cut knuckles because I ultimately would want to go with an FDF or like a complete kit that's like an upper arm, lower arm, uh, knuckle, whatever it may be. So uh, I think I might just go that route, have him, you know, I'll do the measuring and I'll have him modify them for me for the time being. Mm-hmm. And I think that'll be plenty to, you know, get me by in the meantime. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Cause honestly, the stock angle of the V is probably the same or maybe a little more than what my 3000 has with cut knuckles. <laughs> yeah. It's not, I don't love it the way it's set. I don't know if it's my car. I set it up wrong or something, but, it's just the Ackerman is a lot, and you know, which is probably fine, but I just don't know. Um, its current setup just doesn't work. Maybe if I get uh, like a lower control arm that's adjustable, and mm-hmm. I'm able to utilize it or really get the settings I want, maybe it'd be more be more functional. But I would like something that's fully adjustable with like adjustable Ackerman, you know, yeah, everything yeah. like that up front. Yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, it just kind of depends on driver preference. You know, like everyone has their own style. Every, you know, everyone has what they think feels good and, you know, what they drive well with. So, I mean, hey, if that's what you need, you know, I mean, my 3000, you know, I learned how to drift on it and I, I like to think that I drifted pretty well. But I've had guys that have been drifting for twice as long as me hop in and struggle with it. So, like. I think it's just all one of those like personal preference things. Yeah, that's fair. 
Uh, I know sometimes I was I was like, why didn't I just fucking buy a S chassis when I started doing this? Um, <laughs> I know, right? I, I contemplate these things a lot lately, um, <laughs> but trying to uh, get the car back out there soon. But I keep taking more shit off of it. Yeah, you can't turn it into the parts car because then it's the fucking parts car now. It's a hard road to come back from. Well, I pulled the diff out because I bought um, the 8.8 stuff for it. Okay. But I didn't buy the axles. So mm, yeah. as of right now, I still need like a rebuild kit for the 8.8, mm-hmm. which is a cover. I don't know. I probably need like 500 bucks worth of shit on the 8.8 stuff. That's all like brand new rebuild stuff though. Um, right. And then right. what? The $2,000 axles. But I have everything That's else. Hard. I know the 8.8 is easy. It's the axles. Especially now, I saw one of the guys is making uh, bracket kits for like five hundred bucks. That's the one I bought. Oh, nice. Okay, yeah. I mean, I think it's pretty it sweet. Sucks. Well, it sucks because yeah, you can get the diff for a good price, you can get the mount for a good price, but then you got to buy those DSS axles or G Force or whoever makes them. Well, and that's where he like kills you. I mean, it's not the best for I guess you know like the everyday driver. Really, you know, if someone's just dailying this and they just wanted a beefier axle and not have to worry about it breaking like glass, yeah, that, that two thousand dollar axle mark is pretty hefty. But for, yeah. I feel like for a race car, I think that's reasonable. It gets to a point where it becomes justifiable. Yeah, yeah like, and that's how I feel like with this car. I'm like, oh, I can justify spending, you know, two thousand dollars on axles because I want them to not break. Yeah, I mean, and that car is pretty far along too, you know. So it's yeah, like exactly. those things. Like you're basically you're moving from the front to the back of just upgrades. Yeah, I know. And I bought the. Uh, by the way, the um, the uh, fucking the Holly turbo manifolds for the LS fit on it. Oh wow! Really? Hmm. <laughs> I just put them on. Nice. Very nice. I got a hair up my ass one day and sold my stock exhaust, or not my stock exhaust, my uh, my headers and my exhaust system. Mm-hmm. And then I ordered those fucking things. <laughs> like, we're gonna put a and then S4... right down the rabbit hole. Yep, and we're gonna put an S four seventy five in this. And then I was like, oh shit, I'm gonna need a rear axle. <laughs> so that's how the eight point eight came about. Yeah, probably at that point. Because yeah. it'll blow up for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, are you still running the stock diff, or are you running the uh, SRX diff? Stock diff for now. Um, okay. I, I would like to try the 391, but I want to try it with the stock with the 373 first. I also uh, have another 373 that's been on my garage floor since I got my black car. Um, so I figure I just try it. If it breaks, it breaks. But you know. I'll at least try it and see how I like it. And then uh, I would like to go to the 391 SRX setup just because I know a lot of the BMW guys that run, well, a couple of my BMW friends that run basically the same drivetrain that I have in my car. Uh, They go with the 391 uh, BMW diff and they like it a lot. So I'll probably end up there. But again, it's like this car, I want to at least try like feel it out in like a more simpler fashion and then just kind of upgrade as I see fit really. Yeah. That makes sense. Cause engine wise, it's just uh, cam supporting mods, stock trans, uh, bigger clutch or better clutch. 
DSS One Piece that I stole off my black car, and uh, that's about it. Then suspension, all the poly bushings, and a cage, seats, and handbrake. Are you going to compete in that car? I would like to. So my goal is to have it. Um, we we go back to Florida this weekend, and I have two weeks between then and when I have to drop it off for the cage. Mm-hmm. So I got to get. I have a list of things to get done in those two weeks. It's going to be a busy two weeks, and then it goes for the cage for two weeks, and then I have I think three weeks before we're actually coming back up to PA for um, some weddings and stuff like that. But the end of October is Haunted Moves at Englishtown. So my goal is to bring the car up end of September, have it like 99% done, and then drive Haunted Moves at Englishtown for its first event. And we'll see how that goes. And then once I do that, there's another event down in Florida I want to drive in December. And hopefully by that point, I basically I have the car figured out, work out any bugs. And I would like to try the Clutch Kickers route next year. Uh, whether it be beginning of the season and go through it or at some point during the season uh, when I feel comfortable enough to do it uh, to go the clutch kickers route. He makes two of us. Yeah, man. I would love to get there, but I put my I dug myself in a hole and I decided to pull my car apart like an asshole. <laughs> I had a perfectly running car. I could have just went. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I mean. Yeah. I just needed a tune. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, and uh, the Clutch Kickers guys are really cool. I mean, they do a lot for the community. Uh, fun fact, I actually sold them their Instagram uh, about five, uh, three, four years ago. Oh, shit, really? Yeah, cool. so I I have a knack for, well, I used to. I would get an idea, and I'd be like, this would be a cool page. Before like Instagram and Facebook turned into, you have to pay a ton of money for people to see your stuff. Mm-hmm. So... The one day I was like, oh, Clutch Kickers would be because it was before I drifted. I was shooting media at uh, English Town for all the events. And I was like, Clutch Kickers would be a cool page, like an Instagram page. So I grabbed the page and I sat on it. I'm like, when I'm ready, when I have enough content, I'll start posting on it. And Austin and Matt from Clutch Kickers approached me and they were like, hey, man, like we want to buy this Instagram page. I was like, whoa, this is this is kind of weird, but I've never heard of this before. So we worked out a deal. It was it really didn't mean much to me at the time. So I was like, yeah, sure, that sounds good. And I ended up selling them the page. Little did I know it would turn into the monster of a drift following competition series and everything that it did, because this is when they were first getting started. So it's been really cool to see how they went from that to like what they are now. It's actually really impressive. That's pretty fucking cool. But yeah, and then because in the meantime, like I was doing all the Stansco stuff, still are, but it was more of like a media outlet back then. Uh-huh. And then I started driving. So like, you know, the whole Stansco thing started when we were all like our whole friend group was into like just slamming stuff and, you know, the stand, whole stance scene. It was like 2011 we started and, you know, all the way up to like 20. 16 time frame when like you know stancing cars was cool and then we all started driving we all started was it drifting. though just got, i'm kidding <laughs> oh man i was at h2o we used to go to h2o every year in Ocean city maryland we did the whole nine but and we got a really good following off of that but then facebook started where you got to start paying all this money for people to see your posts so yep 
And like, you know, our Facebook page has, I mean, to this day, which it's kind of pointless at this point, but it has like over 7,000 uh, like followers on Facebook, which I mean, at the, at the time was pretty good. But at the time it was the shit. Yeah. And, you know, once Facebook kind of crushed our dreams there, you know, we were on Instagram. And then at that point, you know, everyone started getting careers and stuff like that. And we all started getting busy. So we all kind of fell out of it. But then a few years ago, I was like, you know what? I'm bringing Stansco back. Like, we're going to try and make it a thing again. And once we all start, we were all kind of drifting at that point. And I was like, it's just going to, like, be a little more drifting heavy now. So, you know, we all rock it. Um, I think I rock it the heaviest, but that's totally understandable because it's my name I'm trying to get out there. <laughs> and we, you know, we still have, every time I come up to PA, we're actually doing one tomorrow night. Like, I have a car meet with at a Dairy Queen locally and it kind of got it got out of hand for a bit it turned like you know your typical car meet it's a bunch of kids revving burnouts but now what we do is like these invite only you know car meets and it's at the end of the day it's like all the old heads out here doing it so we get a bunch of drifters coming out uh stoneback comes out and he always brings his fleet of right hand drive cars and um you know, it just it's a good time for the guys that actually appreciate the cars to like hang out. And uh, so basically every time I'm in PA, I do one of those, get everyone together. Nice. And now it's just a lot of drifting stuff. So, I mean, it kind of evolved from the whole stance life thing to drifting. And I mean, I love the way it went and kind of back on the on the train now of trying to, you know, grow it and bring it back and whatnot. Um. Is it gonna be? You think it'll be a little difficult since you're you're still rocking the Stansco name and then you're like heavy into drifting right now. So, yeah, honestly, it doesn't really make sense. But like at the same time, we've been doing more of like the Stansco Street Club stuff now. Mm-hmm. So, we would go down to Philly. There's a couple street drifting spots. We would drift down there, make some content. You know, we came, we did some designs, some shirts, some stickers. So we call it more of like a, in quotations, a street club mm-hmm. to kind of try and pull some of that drifting and like the street drifting and whatnot aspect into it uh, and like street style. But yeah, still having the word stance in there is a little weird. But at the end of the day, I feel like after the last 12, 11 years of doing it, it's like my identity. Like people just associate Stance Co. with me and me with Stance Co. So there's like no changing it now. Uh, well, then that's fair. It's it's something to build off of for sure. Yeah, yeah. But and that's... I mean, at the end of the day, Stance Co. has also helped me honestly get me to where I am in my career, which is kind of crazy to say uh, because like I went to school for accounting and I worked as an accountant and it was really boring. But ultimately, Stance Co. is kind of what um, got me to the marketing career that I'm in now. Oh wow! Yeah, that's it took a took a big left turn in the career but that's it stance is kind of not what it was obviously so it's kind of it's kind of gonna go away for a little while i'm sure it'll make its comeback yeah yeah i mean now i'm more into the front camber and no rear camber sort of stance yeah that looks fucking sick (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's how my streetcar looks (laughs) yeah and then i mean that's how my black cars looks like that my 3000 looks like that the red car is going to look like that. It's just like, I love that look. I love it. And like in the case of having angle kits and stuff like that, it's functional. So like I've had old heads at like cruise nights 
stop me with the 3000 and be like, why are your front wheels all tilted? And I'm like, well, and I kind of just give them the quick and dirty rundown of how like a steering angle kit and when you're drifting and the camber and they're like, minds are blown. And they're like, wait, so it has a racing purpose. And I was like, yeah. And they're like, oh, okay. Like sick. And it's like way cooler to them at that point. For sure. (laughs) It becomes more interesting for sure. Oh yeah. And it's cool. Cause like, I feel like drifting's on the newer side, you know, I mean it is, but it isn't, but to a lot of people, like they don't really know what actual drifting is and you explain it to them it's like a whole it's like opening up a whole new world of motorsports yeah that's like those takeover things right oh god (laughs) oh no i'm done i'm hanging up yeah yeah that's uh (laughs) i got invited to something uh my buddy andrew called me he's like hey are you is your car running i was like i mean it can be (laughs) yeah but he was like, oh, on Thursday. I was like, that's not going to happen. But apparently the L.A. County Sheriff's here is trying to do something and put something together. And they wanted to show, like, um, local drift cars and stuff like that at a local at Irwindale. Okay. Um, but, you know, my dumb ass doesn't stay ready. so And I don't have time to get ready. Uh, dude, that's me. That's yep, me. So I missed okay. out. Um, but, yeah, they're going to do some of my little safety shit. Like, try to encourage the takeover kids to go to the racetrack. But. Mm-hmm. they're in too deep now should have shut that shit down a long time ago oh yeah yeah i know and that's how chris knapp whose family owns Englishtown, chris does the east coast drift school over there and he was actually on the news for the same thing they were showing the yep. newscaster what drifting was and they did a whole little segment on it basically saying like don't go to the takeovers like if you want to do donuts like just rent some time at the track and go do donuts with your friends no one's gonna bother you yeah exactly um I get it to a certain extent, like it's not, it's not cheap, but you know, it's really not worth somebody's life either. Yeah, it's safe. Yeah, it's safe. You, and the best part is like no one fucks with you. You're not worried about it, <laughs> right? Like, right. I mean, like, you're doing all the shit you want to do without an elevated heart rate from being worried that the cops are gonna come. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, at the same time, I've seen people argue that like street drifters are just as bad. But I'm like, I think the big difference that you see when guys are street drifting is, you know, it might not look it. But whenever we went street drifting in Philly, it was a pretty controlled environment. Like everyone stand over there far away, you know, um, make sure it's clear before anyone goes and whatnot. And like, I feel like because we take that track mentality with us, even if we go to the street, it's not just let's go tear up an intersection and hold up traffic and have hundreds of people standing, you know, a foot away from the car that's doing donuts. Exactly. But hey, I'm not young anymore, so that's all the, what the cool kids do. But you know, what's weird is it, it might turn into something because that's how drifting started, right? Where it was just people just doing shit in the mountains illegally, obviously, and then yeah. it turned into a legitimate thing. I mean, I don't know what the fuck that's going to turn into. (laughs) Me neither. But I mean, all it takes is like a track to actually adopt something and, you know, make it make it work. Yeah. I mean, I kind of I try to like encourage because I I do because the V1 has a, you know, every time you see someone get ran over in a street takeover, it's a fucking V. (laughs) It's always a V. I know. I don't know why. Yeah, it's it's, yeah. It's always a fucking red one, too. I'm glad I fucking wrecked the one I had. Um, but it's, it's always a V. So like this car already has a bad name. So like, I do not drive my street car at night at all, especially Mm -hmm. in California. It's got flashy wheels. I'm begging and it's loud as fuck. 
You're living in a different world out there. Yeah. Uh, so I do not drive that thing at night. But um, yeah, it's always a V1. So like we're already immediately associated with being a piece of shit. <laughs> get back or get smacked, man. Yeah, it's like owning a fox body. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I don't get it either. And it's funny because I've had dudes hit me up on Instagram and they're asking, you know, how do I get it to whip? And like, dude, they're saying stuff that I'm like, you're not going to the track to drift. You're just trying to go to a takeover. They're using all like the takeover lingo. Yeah. And the key is uh, wheel spacers. <laughs> yeah. In case anybody's wondering. I know you think it's not, but I had uh, two setups on the car and I know which one transitions faster with different wheels <laughs> with fucking uh, wheel spacers. Um, Yeah, it got weird. Uh, just... It, I odd mention when I was on a similar setup that you're on now. I was on um, for your wheels and tire setup. Mm-hmm. Um, I was on a eighteen nine and a half plus twenty two. Um, okay. And that thing felt like it was a boat to transition. Like it was ridiculous. And then I remember I switched to the new wheels I have, which is a completely different offset. Which the front is. The same as the old ones, but I also threw a spacer on. Um, and then the rear is a 18, 10 and a half, uh, plus 12. Okay. And then I have a one inch spacer in the back. Oh, wow. So now it, um, it, it kind of, it's super snappy now. Before it was like, no matter how fast you try to like make it trans, like, uh, transition or anything. Mm-hmm. It was just so slow when I rotated, no matter how quickly you tried to do it. Interesting. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'll um, have to try it out because I have a bunch of different, like, spec. It's all Ankies, but it's just a bunch of different, like... Oh, socks. shit, really? Yeah. I think... No, my biggest issue is, I think, my wheel entire size. What What are you running on the front? Same size? Uh, well, right now, yeah, it's just same size. Um, I would say that that's been my biggest issue, is that front. Mm-hmm. I also have a set of 18 by 9 plus 35 RSO5 RRs laying around that I could potentially run in as a front and then just throw a spacer on it to put it where I need it to be. Because mm-hmm. it's a pretty conservative uh, wheel size. I would say just um, be mindful. Like if you do see yourself spinning out, because I was only looking at the frame rail like an asshole. I never looked up in the fender. Uh, okay. Look up and see if you're too low. <laughs> Okay. Because you'll yeah. see like the black marks at the top. At the top. Oh yeah, my black car is full of them. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah, like the there's really not much paint on the inside of the fender, upper fender anymore on the black car. Yeah, it's because it's fucking ridiculously low. I mean, it looks good. Yeah, I love it. I mean, it tucks. It almost tucks wheel all around. But I'm actually in the process of raising it like a little bit because the rear camber was killing me. I I loved the way the car the car looked from the front and from the sides, but I couldn't stand the look from the rear because it had like negative seven degrees of camber in the rear. Have you ever thought about doing the bag conversion conversion on it? I I'm not a bad guy. That's fair. I just, I don't know. I just, I've never really been on board with bags. Um, I, but I think the only thing that uh, once we have these overfenders in production, um, I would like to mold a set of them onto the black car. And then I can lower it back down, but still run no camber with like a stretch tire. Oh, okay. That'll work too. 
So that that's like end goal. But for right now, I just need well, one, we need to get the overfenders made, and I need to get a set on on the drift car as soon as I possibly can. <laughs> yeah, me count me in too because uh, I hate the way mine looks. Uh, do you guys have like a? Have you guys worked out a design or anything like that yet? Uh, not yet, really. Uh, as of right now, I was talking to Steve about it, uh, about just doing like a stock style, like keep the stock body lines, but have just a more of a bubble flare on it. Um, but I was also thinking because my I was looking at my 3000 the one day and it has wide body carbon fiber fenders with vents and stuff. And uh, I was thinking about talking to him about maybe doing like a vented front fender or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like how the V3 has a vent in the front. Um, okay, so, I know what you're talking about. So maybe something along those lines, because he's a big style guy. So if you know if it's something that makes it a little more hot boy, I feel like he'd be on board for. I do like the so, hot boy. Yeah, so, like <laughs> I think, I mean, I'm a big... I'm a big uh, fan of American cars, but when you bring some Japanese styling to the American cars, I think it makes it all that all it, that much better. It's a, it's like the best of both worlds. Yeah. Oh yeah, I agree. I think that's one thing that I was like always attracted to about um, import cars was the flare, so to speak, the kind of way that like muscle cars have the chrome flare. Yeah. I like that you were able to do that with like a Jap- a newer Japanese car by just like making it look more aggressive with aesthetically but with just like different pieces instead of like a bumper or at least instead of a chrome bumper it was just a more aggressive lower looking bumper whatever you know i just like the two differences uh-huh oh I'll yeah be- i totally agree um do you, uh have you i don't have you spoken with uh jeremy glass he's got one too. yeah you have? i don't know if you've seen his little renditions of a wide body but those look pretty neat. Yeah, they do. And uh, interestingly enough, so Steve from Factory Midnight Style, when he still lived in Virginia, lived close to Jeremy. And Jeremy was actually the one that was supposed to give him his car. But Ah, so it's full circle. He, awesome. Yep, yep. So between that time and the time that Steve moved to Florida this past summer, um, it just it didn't work out. And Steve and I had talked – Steve and I had from Factory Midnight Style have talked on Instagram prior. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hey, man, because I basically I found his company on Facebook and he does like acrylic stuff, too. And it was all like S chassis stuff and whatnot. So one of my good friends, him and his brother have an S13 and a 14. So I was like, yo, check this out. They're having a Black Friday sale or whatever. And they ended up ordering the whole catalog of acrylic stuff. So I followed Factory Midnight Style and I got to talking to him about v stuff and he mentioned jeremy's car and whatnot so then when i saw that he was moving his business to florida i was like hey man like i just moved to florida too i can i only had the black car at this at this time Mm -hmm. but i was like i can give you a car to make stuff with so he's like yeah when i get down there we'll link up so then fast forward like eight months and uh, my girlfriend and i are at a car meet in tampa and i see this jzx 90 and I'm looking at it because I'm, I'm a big fan of JZXs. Always have. I I like to claim that I, I liked Chasers before anyone knew what a Chaser was. <laughs> but big JZX fan. So I'm looking at it and start talking to the owner. And he's like, yeah, I moved here from Virginia. I own my own business. And as soon as he said that, I'm staring at the car. I see his acrylic roof wing and like pieces 
And I'm like, wait, what's the name of your company? And he's like, Factory Midnight Style. I'm like, dude, we've talked on the internet like many times. <laughs> nice. So, they never look like the way you think they look like. Yeah, right. <laughs> and we, uh, so we made that connection and, you know, we're hopefully going to start cranking out some parts of these cars. Sweet, man. Yeah. Um, which, which, which bushing setup did you go with? So I went with full, re- I just bought the full rev shift car kit. Oh, okay. Sweet. Uh, I got it on like a Black Friday or something deal, Christmas deal. I don't know. But went with the full kit from RevShift, and then I have some Creative Steel stuff also mixed in there as well, like the motor mounts. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So I went with like, I ended up buying the new uh, rebuildable Creative Steel motor mounts for my black car. I mm-hmm. put them in. And with the cam in the black car, I hated it for like street driving. So. I pulled them out. I put UMIs in the black car, which are fantastic. Yes, they are. And then I put the creative steels in the drift car, which a little more suitable of an application for them. Yeah. Uh, especially since you're not worried about vibrations so much in that one. Right. Yeah. At I, least it was crazy. not at cruising speeds. Right. Yeah. And it, it, dude, it was unbelievable how much the UMIs like smoothed out the black car going from the red creative steels to those yeah i put one of those um those maggie mp112s on a v1 mm-hmm. uh on jeff's car the okay jeff, uh recently and i didn't ch- i hadn't changed the uh, motor mounts yet and that thing like lifted so much like when they would hit the uh the throttle <laughs> but it had like the old blown out ones but it didn't but feel that yeah, I had the stock blown out one, so. Yeah. Um, but driving it, that thing, like, you know, it just added 100 horsepower to that car, and it was perfect. Mm-hmm. No vibrations or anything. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, my black car, when I bought it, had the stock mounts, and they were shot, so I put the old-style Creative Steel ones in, the black ones, like, just the big hunks of poly. Mm-hmm. And they lasted me a good amount of time, but then once I did the cam, it quickly... Um, brought to light the fact that they were smoked and uh it was starting to like diesel when you shut it off like you get that vibration when you kill the car mm-hmm. and um so that's why I, I was like all right it's time to replace these but then i went from one extreme to the other and i was like okay i need something softer i thought that was from the dual mass uh no well the i think both can cause it because like when you when you shut the car off, the bad engine mounts give it. Honestly, it could be from both. Like make it clack. Yeah. Yeah. Dual um, mass has been long gone though, on both cars. Oh really? Okay, good. Yeah. That's yeah. True. Oh yeah. No, the my base model has it, so I get to still deal with it, and I have wow. a six puck in there. Mm-hmm. on a fucking uh, dual mass so it just it fucking <laughs> chatters all the time as soon as i take off it's like oh, i bet i bet and i thought yeah. for the first like month i was like there's something wrong with this clutch and then i remembered it was the dual mass i was like no it's not it's just a fucking <laughs> piece of shit that's in there yeah gotta keep that cadillac comfort you know yeah i mean i really ruined it. well that's probably what makes it more bearable having the six puck in there it's true. Good. It could be. Sure, you get like a little a, more cushion. Yeah. 
Because it does do it every time. <laughs> oh, man. And that's obviously when I'm, like, slipping the clutch and, like, taking off. But. Yeah. Yeah. So, we'll see. As long as it don't break. Yeah. Hey, that's end goal for everyone and everything here. What uh, what axles are you running? In the V stock. But are you running? You're not running base model axles, right? No, I'm running V axles. Okay. The uh, Do you know if they're the LS6 or the LS2 ones? They are. I actually have LS6 axles in both cars now. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, I snapped a inner CV at the drag strip in my 06. Mm-hmm. So. I found a guy selling a diff in axles down in Delaware, and I grabbed those for a really good price. And then um, why one of the outer CVs started clicking on the opposite axle. So ultimately, the car now just has both LS6 axles. So, in it. so just a heads up. So I did find out that the, the CV, um, obviously, we're talking about the part that goes in the diff. That's where it always snaps. Yeah. Um, that's interchangeable with the base model. So you can actually keep your LS2 axle um, and then just change out the CV. I mean, obviously, uh, there's a lot of work involved with that because you know what it's like packing a sealed um, axle. I don't know if you've ever done one before, but they're, yeah. not, they're not fun. Um, no. But it is it is a thing. Interesting. That's good to know. Yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, I've, I've had to... Uh rebuild axles on the 3000 quite a few times because you actually for the 3000 gts you can't buy new or remanufactured rear axles for those cars so anymore. You, you have to find them if you're lucky yeah so whenever i see guys parting out cars i'm buying the axles and you know i'm buying boots i'm buying grease and i'm repacking them and like basically i've refreshed a lot of 3000 gt rear axles <laughs> yeah well then there you go that's good that's perfect yeah i wonder if you can just do it like where you do like the uh, AutoZone thing. It's like fuck it. You buy one axle, and every time you snap one, obviously it sucks because you got to rebuild two of them. Yeah, true. Um, but you don't have to pay for one. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Well, that's or you can just go grab a whole bunch from the fucking junkyard in a weekend. Yeah, yeah. I know. I I lucked out a few weeks ago. I found some good uh, base models in the junkyard that I was grabbing, just some random stuff off of. But yeah, it's a good point. Is getting some base model junkyard axles because at least then you're getting OEM axles. Yeah, and the best part about the CTS right now is that it's so like if I don't I don't know if it'll ever take off. I it'll never take off like the BMW or the um, the T40s have. Uh, yeah, I don't even see it going as far as the Cadillac, but I f- do see it going far enough to where we're all still able to get like cheap replacement parts from the junkyard. Oh yeah, I mean, the door is like thirty fucking dollars. Yeah, and the fact that they made a base model of it, and so many base model parts are interchangeable, like all of them. (laughs) Yeah, dude, there are so many base models out there too, and like they'll be in the junkyards for a good amount of time. Yep. And yeah, I love the fact that all that stuff works: base model axles, doors, fenders, everything, hoods. Yep, the hoods the same, the trunks the same. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's mostly like the body panels and the suspension. I think the only real difference is the front subframe, um, which is supposedly beefed up for the yeah. added weight and horsepower. And and my only rebuttal to that is if you do find a base model and you want to do a swap, 
you don't need the V subframe if you can make some mounts or something or make it work because there's 240s out there with a thousand horsepower or an <laughs> E46. And I don't know if you guys have seen those cross members, but uh huh, uh huh, yeah, they're not, there's nothing to them, right? And it's like a two I, by four, it, yeah, exactly. And I think, uh, at the end of the day, the I think it was the only two main changes other than like some bracing, if they want to call it that. I think the motor mounts uh, go right into it. I think the only other main difference is the ABS pump location. Yeah, the ABS pump location is different, and the ABS pump itself is completely different. Okay, okay. Um, but it's, and even the way it's mounted is different, uh, so, which would obviously is the reason probably for the location. But everything else is the same with the exception of like some. Um, Sway bars, those are thicker on the V. Yeah. Uh, obviously, the sh- I I don't want to count shocks and springs because you know when you're getting this far and it doesn't matter. You just want to know if the the V coilover cable fit. And right. Does. So. Yeah, I mean, all the suspension components, the arms and stuff are all the same. Correct. Your knuckles, the knuckles, I think are are they different at all with the brake mounting points or no? No, they're the exact same. Oh, sick. Okay. So basically, I took my V knuckles um, off of the comp car and I put them on my silver car, my street car, uh-huh. and it bolted right in. And I have the stock brakes on there, the base model wow. brakes. So all right, well that's good same to exact know. thing. So what I'm thinking too is if I ever decide to like finally make a dual caliper kit for this thing, uh-huh. um, that possibly or that more than like more likely than not, it's actually going to work on the base model too. Use, utilizing uh, a set of base model uh, calipers. So I will say this. I am 90% done with a dual caliper bracket. Nice. That uses a base model caliper, but on a, on a V rotor. Mm. I'm like, I'm like really close. And there's one thing standing in between me and finish, like finishing it. And that one thing will determine if I ditch the base model caliper and go for a Willwood or if I stay with the base model caliper. That was another thing I was thinking about too. Yeah. Switching it up to like a Willwood or something. But my goal, I, I'm cool I, with my the ultimate inline. goal is to make it affordable for people. Yeah. That's why I went with the inland. True. That's, and, yeah. and for weight loss. Cause that's what, by the time you do the dual caliper kit, you're looking at with the big ass calipers we have. Like maybe twenty pounds. Yeah, yeah. Especially if you're running like the Brembos on the back, like a dual Brembo setup. Because yeah, I think yeah. didn't you run that for a while, the dual I Brembo? Did. I did for the first year. Yeah, I really regret not getting my hands on one of those bracket kits. I'm back in the day, I'm supposed to make some. That's the plan, at least. I just haven't got around to it. Yeah, hey, dude. I know that struggle. To add to a list of the parts I make for this fucking turd yeah i know that's i'm working on some other things now oh, but nice. i'm hoping that the the over fender stuff goes pretty well yeah that'd be dope does he do like a full production setup how so uh like where he does everything or he's just doing the designing and making it or is he like you know putting kits out there like with their built to order kind of situation oh gotcha uh so he does uh, like a lot of pre-order stuff, so they're kind of built to order. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, but I think 
when he gets into so he just built a whole shop down here down there in florida and i think once he gets to like a more settled and like established again um from you know basically uprooting the whole business i think he'll probably get back into just uh having stuff in stock rather than um pre-orders but he does he does as far as i'm aware he does all the stuff himself like start to finish oh shit yeah that's what that's why i was asking uh that's not bad i was just curious because sometimes like you want something right away uh, yeah you know what it's like yeah. and uh sometimes when you know like hey this product is built to order like you keep that in the back of your head like all right i'm still gonna look at my fucking fedex every day to make see when it ships <laughs> yeah yeah I and i think once we uh get something going with the with the body panels um hoping that like we can do probably for like the first run, do like a group buy or something like that, just so that we can get some good commitments from people and then basically uh, run them out as soon as possible. Like once a group buy comes together. Yeah. That that might help at least to get, yeah. get the uh, molds paid for and everything. And so it doesn't lose money. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, everyone says they're interested until they actually have to be interested until they see a price. Exactly. Till they see the price, yeah. till they actually have to put the money up, then you know. Everyone was was interested in that uh, Wisefab C6 kit until they realized it was twenty five hundred dollars. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, which like what else? Like, what would you expect? You know, like look at every other Wisefab kit. Yeah. Exactly. Like that stuff's not cheap. So why would you expect the Corvette kit to be cheap? Yeah, I would one thousand buy that. Thousand percent buy that fucking kit too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Full price. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Well, technically, I'm a dealer, so maybe save a couple. Ah, uh, nice. Okay. Uh, we'll see. By the way, I'm a dealer for field suspension. If anybody's wondering, in drifting pro ammo. Uh, it's an LLC now. There's the plug right there. There you go. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll see who listens to this. The it's going to be a V1 specific episode, so it's probably going to have like a lot of V1 listeners, and then that's it. Yeah. <laughs> and like a few of like the loyal fans. Um, let's get into that, that 3000 GT a little bit. So, what did you have all done to that? Because I remember like that's a pretty interesting build just itself. Uh, not yeah, even I... necessarily the fact that you drifted, just everything that i like all the pictures i've seen of it. <laughs> yeah that car has come a long way um so there you can make this the title and they gotta listen through all the v talk and then they can get the 3000 gt stuff you know yeah <laughs> um so long story short that 3000 gt has been in my family since it was new uh, oh, my aunt bought it in 1992 and in 97 she sold it to my uncle and basically when i was a kid I used to ride in the passenger seat of that car and I idolized it. And I was like, growing up, I was like, I want this car. Like I want a 3000 GT, but I want this 3000 GT. Mm -hmm. And when I was in high school, uh, he sold it to me. And at the time I was just ecstatic that I had the 3000 GT downside. But was that this car? Yeah. (laughs) Um, Downside of it was that, it was a non-turbo automatic base model with 200,000 miles. Sick. So I drove it. I mean, I did w- coilovers. I did wheels. I lowered it. 
exhaust and basically I started having all these electrical problems with it and it was a nightmare turned into a real quick nightmare so at that point I was like you know what I want to do a VR4 conversion like a twin turbo engine mm -hmm. manual swap the whole nine so during this time I'm in college I'm saving money working like you know college jobs and whatnot and at some point I derailed and I went and I bought a 5.3 and a CD09. Jesus. So I got the idea in my head. I was like, I should LS swap the 3000. So I bought the drivetrain for it using all my money, all the money I had basically. And the motor was already out. The, the non-turbo drivetrain was out and I, I had painted the engine bay and, you know, the car was kind of coming along with like all the low cost free stuff that I could do in the meantime while being in college. So I bought the LS setup and then I kind of hit the roadblock of like people kind of promising they would help me when it came to the fabrication of like the motor mounts and stuff like that. And then just like, just like, you know, nothing coming of it and whatnot. And I was like basically running this build on like, the promises of other people to be helping me out and it just never really happened mm -hmm. so then i ended up i graduated college i got my first you know big boy job and i went out and i bought the v1 the 06 so at that point i was like you know what i have an ls car now and i'm tired of like just staring at this car so i went and i bought a full mitsubishi gto front clip and I, it was basically from the engine to the rear axles. Like I had the full GTO drivetrain. Mm -hmm. I put the engine in the car, manual swapped it, all wheel drive, converted it. I got the all wheel drive subframe in the car, which is easier than some might think. Um, it requires a little bit of fab work, but not too bad. Okay. And then um, at that point I had a fully functional VR4. It was twin turbo, five speed, all wheel drive. So then all my friends started drifting and uh, I'm, I'm crewing for people. I mean, like basically it was like this weird, like the overlap time of when I even just discovered what drifting was mm -hmm. and it all came down to uh, my buddy Joe uh, was real good friends with Chelsea Denofa and I mean, Chelsea's from our area and Basically, every time Chelsea would come up for FD New Jersey, this is back when he was drifting the E36, E46. Every time he would come up for Jersey, he would sleep in Joe's basement. So we would hang out and we would crew for Chelsea at FD New Jersey. So this is where I got kind of just like tossed into like, this is drifting, like my first real exposure to drifting. And after doing that for a few years, it then evolved into like, let's go to Club Loose. And then I started shooting media. And then my friend Kenrick started drifting and he was doing US drifts and I crewed for him for a few years. So at that point, like I just had the bug and I was like, I need to, to drift. And I was like, I can't build another car. I don't have the money or the space. I was living with my parents at the time Lovely. and I have this 3000. So I start looking up like how to real wheel drive, convert your 3000 GT. Huh. And, you know, I got not a whole lot of information out there but then i found myself on the dsm forums like eclipse uh stuff like that eagle talons and the 
trans the five speed transmissions in the three thousand GTs are very similar to the DSM transmissions. Oh, so, no. a buddy of mine locally, big Galant VR4 guy, he was like, I had a set of three piece six lug wheels on the V at the time, and he is a v, he's also a V1 guy, and. Yes. We worked out a deal, and I was like, I'll trade you these three-piece wheels if you weld my rear diff and weld the center diff and, like, basically convert my car to rear-wheel drive. So he welded the rear, or he welded the center diff in the transmission. We took the front axles out. He welded my rear diff for me, and I took it to my first drift event. It had stock angle, which is not much because typically they have CV axles, so they can't even, you know, they can't be overextending the axles, so the car yeah. barely turned. Uh, I had, didn't have a working handbrake and it was a, I've never drifted in my life and it was a total nightmare. <laughs> so <laughs> then it started the like sequence of let me pay $160 to go drift a day at club loose, drive five laps and then pack up and know, be like, okay, I have to do this before the next event. Like it was a lot of trial and error, changing, trying different tie rod setups, trying different, this different, that. And the car basically evolved into what it is now. I mean, it is a stock, still transverse mounted 6G72, three liter twin turbo engine, slightly bigger turbos, uh, stock fuel. It made 330 wheel uh, last winter. Um, I finally got it dyno tuned. It made, I think it was 346 foot pounds of torque. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, it is like the perfect power level. The, the biggest struggle the car has is gearing. It has really long gears, and there's not many options out there for it, naturally. So other than the gearing struggle that I have at certain tracks, it is a really fun car to drive. And like with that power level, I don't go through tires very often, and it's not a lot of power for what that engine is capable of. So I can literally, I, I do beat the absolute crap out of this thing, and it just takes it and goes. Like It just wants to keep going. That's the dream. I know. I know. And like we always used to joke because my friends have LS swap cars, pro-am cars, grassroots cars. And like the, we always used to, use to make the joke that the 3000 always drove on the trail, was always the one that drove back on the trailer at the end of the event. <laughs> the least likely car. Dude, I've taken this base model out fucking three times and it's broken <laughs> twice. The second time I took it out, it, the oil got hot. So I was like, let me shut it down before I'm on a trailer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've had a lot of luck with it. I blew one transfer case that, upon further investigation, really didn't have much to do with the drifting aspect of it. It was an internal failure um, in the transfer case that would have happened no matter what. Mm -hmm. And then... I blew my rear diff finally after five years uh, last winter. I It was my fault. I was floored, pulled the handbrake, dumped the clutch too fast, and it just blew it to pieces. And uh, other than that, the car has been like really stout. Engine has had no problems. It is healthy. But, I mean, so suspension-wise, I'm running like Megan coilovers that I bought six years ago. Uh, I made uh, me and my friend Polly. Polly does all my was doing all my welding at the time when I was living in PA because mm -hmm. I still don't have a welder. 
but we welded on some tabs onto the trailing arms. We mounted another set of calipers back there. So it's running a true dual caliper setup. Um, and then during COVID, like during all the lockdowns, I was like, you know, I want to build an angle kit for this car. So I kind of did all the engineering behind it, came up with all the, you know, what had to be extended where, you know, whatnot. And then I made all my markings. I handed it to Polly and I was like, hey, dude, I need this lower control arm extended an inch and five eighths and I need you know this welded here and there and we got it together and the car makes a pretty good amount of angle now nice. i stopped bending I, I was bending tie rods like crazy like i would be going i wouldn't even hit bumps on the track and i would taco a tie rod and Jeez. it was bad i think it's a it's a front heavy car naturally so right now i'm running for like the last two years i've been running it's like these um, Honda Odyssey inners that are only like two inches long, but mm-hmm. they're an M16 thread, which is what the 3000s are. That's what ours are. And then, oh, and the, are they really in the Vs? Yeah. Oh, nice. Wait, so maybe 14s. No, 16s. Okay. So yeah, so it's a Honda Odyssey inner, mm-hmm. and it's super short. So I'm like, I'll keep the short. I'll keep the thin section really tiny, and then I got uh, one inch outer diameter uh, steel tubing and I threaded each end one end to fit the Honda Odyssey side and then one end to fit a heim joint and then I did a heim joint on the outside end right to the knuckle and I haven't bent a tie rod since now that I have like one inch damn near solid steel tubing of a tie rod I think that's probably what's going to help you with this fucking car to be honest because that's kind of where I'm at with the V right now I feel like no one else is making one. I keep hearing that somebody else is going to do it. Somebody else is going to do it. I've asked people myself to do it. Mm-hmm. Like, willing to pay. And I just, I'm good at like, No one's I mean, been like, hey, I need, like, let's set some payment terms up. Because I'm not going to give somebody five grand and just let them take their right. fucking time. Like, yeah. you want a deposit? I'll give you a deposit and you can start. You want to get yeah. paid the rest? Yeah, finish the fucking project. Um, I'll do that. But I'm not. But the people I have spoken to were. Uh, this is an FDF, by the way, because I did speak to FDF. But they've never, they've never asked me for anything. Actually, we never even discussed uh, mm-hmm. how that would get paid for. But um, maybe, maybe that's probably why. Probably <laughs> reach out and talk to him. Um, but yeah, I had asked somebody else before, and that's what that's basically the shit they gave me. Like, oh, I need six grand, and that comes with three kits, and that's me not losing money. Right, and yeah. I was like, "Okay, well, what do you want? What do you want down?" And he's like, "Oh, that's all paid up front." I was like, "There's no way I'm doing that." Yeah, it's a little sketchy. That's a little sketchy. Yeah, because I had like three other people interested in the the kit at the time. Um, oh yeah, Sergio is another driver that drives a few one. Oh yeah, um, and he was like, "Hey, I'm in." Jeremy was in, and I was like, "Hey, if you know, if he asked for a deposit, I was like, I want to move forward with it." I had you know, like a thousand bucks at the time. Like I was willing to do like half up front. Right. Um, and then he was like, Oh no, that's paid all up front. I was like, Oh, I can't do that. No one's willing to do that. Hmm. So. Yeah. That's, that's tough. That's a tough spot. I mean, yeah, if it comes down to it, I'll, I'll play with like extending the lower arms. Um, won't have the adjustability, but yeah. it, it, it at least be able to extend those lower arms. They're aluminum. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. yeah. All right. So yeah, scratch that. I'm just gonna wait till someone makes an angle kit. Yeah. <laughs> it's, 
that's how I ended up where I'm at. Um, yeah. Oh, and then uh, I'm trying to. It's hard. Like I've I've had the three thousand for like uh, since 2010. So what's that? Twelve years now. Uh-huh. And Jeez, I always hard. forget like mods that I've done to it. But it also has a full tube rear. Oh shit! Really? Oh, nice. Yeah, and so we did. Polly and I built a tube rear, and uh, it was it was one of those just like, hey man, let's let's put a fuel cell in the car because those cars come with 19 gallon fuel cells from the factory. Jesus, it's huge, and they hang down really low behind the car. So when I was dirt dropping at English Town, I mean, there's some spots in English Town. It's like a six eight inch drop, and I'm dirt dropping, and my stock metal tank is getting demolished. So I'm like, the last thing I need is to pop a hole in the tank and just spill fuel everywhere and just create a whole mess for everyone, let alone potentially a fire. So I was like, let's go to a fuel cell setup and we'll do something cool. So we built a full tube rear over the course of like six cases of Twisted Tees. <laughs> and um, it was great. It still is great. But then I wall tapped. And by wall tapped, I mean I got like deep into the wall uh, one event and I just bent the crap out of it and it is still bent to this day eventually it's one of those like I'll get to it I'm gonna, I'll redo it eventually sort of projects not today though not today I got a lot of things in line before that <laughs> yeah it's always a fucking mess man yeah but yeah I mean I love that car and I feel like I that car kind of got me a lot of the attention mm-hmm. that I have at this point, like, you know, it's a peculiar build for sure. It is. And in any aspect, no yeah. matter what you do to that car, no one has one. Right. And it's funny because like, I'll post my V on Instagram and like, it'll do okay. And then I post like a picture from five years ago, the 3000 and it explodes. Yeah. And like, I mean, it's what people want to see. And a lot of, I mean, I've had that car for so long and I've, it's been my main focus for so long that like, a lot of my followers on Instagram, YouTube, whatever, follow me because of that car. So, like, it's a car that I'll always have and I'll always be going back to. And, you know, it'll never get forgotten, really. But, you know, it's been tough this last year building the Drift V mm-hmm. of, like, still trying to keep the 3000 relevant because all the attentions on the drift fee. And like, I know some of the people, a lot of people that follow me, it's just, it's not really what they're interested in. But then at the same time I see on like Instagram and YouTube and stuff that I'm adopting more CTS and CTSV guys. So like it's kind of bringing some worlds together in that sense. Have you played on TikTok at all yet? I tried. I, I, I don't know. Uh, maybe I'll get back into it, but I don't know, dude. I just, it's, I I understand it. I get it. But, like, I just don't have, like, the bandwidth to make that much content. I feel the same way. But I feel like the same thing happens with um, Instagram. Yeah. Uh, but I just don't have the desire to, like, actually sit there and uh you know post all day but i i still find myself on it all fucking day like a loser uh, i do that i know, I, know. <laughs> I i never think so like when i'm in the garage i'm typically making a youtube video so i'm filming everything in landscape oh, and okay. then when i go to tiktok i'm like i can't make a tiktok because i have no content that is in portrait mode no so it like I, i'm like okay well what do I want to do? But then if I record something for YouTube and then go back and record it again for TikTok 
I'm like, I'm wasting a lot of time in the garage recording videos instead of actually working on what I need to be working on. Yeah, sometimes I'm like, is this really going to make me any money? Because this feels like a waste of fucking time. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's like the YouTube stuff. I mean, you see all the the LZs and whatnot making money and stuff like that. And like, yeah, it'd be sweet. But I feel like at the end of the day, I just I really enjoy documenting what I do. Like, I think the events that's we go great to. for your kids. The fact that you're yeah. doing this, and then like your kids are gonna grow because you have kids, right? I don't. Oh shit! I thought you had kids. Don't no, ask me why. Anyways. Far from kids. But, Let's not talk about that one. Jeez. Yeah, they're expensive. Um, <laughs> but I feel like that would be great for somebody who's going to have kids one day or just their family. Like, they get to see, like, oh, shit. I get to, like, see what my, I don't know, my fucking brother is doing. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, dude, when I moved a thousand miles away from home last year, I mean, I barely see my friends. I see my friends a couple times a year now. And, you know, my friends and I, we were, I mean, we are still very close and like, dude, even just being able, like I'll find myself some days going and watching like a video of us, like doing stuff to the 3000 in the shop, like in Paulie's shop. And I'm like, I enjoy watching it. Cause I'm like, I mean, it was a, it's like a memory. It's like a good memory to look back on, you know? For sure. Yeah. And, and when you're old I, and on your deathbed, you could be like, I did cool shit. <laughs> yeah. Here's and proof. A beer. <laughs> Here's fucking proof. I built that or whatever it is. I think, I yeah. think about it like that too sometimes. Yeah, and like it, it kind of gets down to the point of like, I think money is not like the end goal for like having a social media following and a YouTube following and whatnot for me. It's more like I get a lot of enjoyment seeing people enjoying my car. Like when I come to the track, like people, I've had people come up to me and like they're like, oh, I've seen your car on online and like, I can't believe I'm seeing it here. And they're happy about it. And like, it makes me happy to see other people happy, you know? Yeah, that's fair. And, you know, it's, yeah, I just, I mean, I like doing it. I'm, I, I mean, marketing is my career too. So I just, I mean, I do social media for the company I work for. So it's just kind of like in my brain to just like want to post on social media and whatnot. That makes sense too. Cause it's kind of like that constant, like practice situation like you can yeah. kind of experiment with certain things on your personal social media that maybe you wouldn't necessarily dare to do on a nine to five gig right exactly okay exactly and it, it it's kind of funny when my my uh social media has more followers than the company that i work for but some of the I things they think lot... it's funny too <laughs> <I'm just kidding>. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> yeah no but i think a lot of the things that I've learned from doing my own social media stuff has helped me. It, it translates right into my nine to five and like knowing some strategies that work and things like that, that have since I've started at that company have helped that company grow since, you know, just the things I've learned from, you know, doing my own stuff on the side. But it's helped you kind of like do things better or more efficiently at work almost. Right. A hundred percent. Yeah. Having, having, it, it sounds goofy, but like having social media experience is a very useful tool. I, I was going to agree with you on the practicing part of things like that. You're doing something every day. Mm -hmm. um, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, not cause not from personal experience. Like I don't run a social media thing for work at all, but mm -hmm. like I manage, um, the fire alarm department where I work. Okay. And that's kind of helped me manage like my start 
not only manage but like start my side like that's what made me llc drifting pro am mm-hmm. that's what made me start taking cars in like to work on customers vehicles like i didn't know any of this shit before like a year ago i didn't know any of this the stuff i know now uh, yeah but i didn't even think about it then but then i was like i was doing it for somebody else and i was like oh shit i could probably do this stuff for myself on the side and then i applied it to this gig and now i'm building people's cars um which i don't post about i probably should um for uh extra income so i can pay for drifting and stuff like that or just you know even if it's just paying my bills yeah and dude that's i mean my girlfriend and i are very similar in that sense too like are we like chasing the like supplemental income like we have our nine fives but we like chasing that supplemental income so that we can go have fun you know we can well we actually just bought a house tonight and oh congratulations uh, thank you so we bought our first house tonight nice, and, dude. um it um it was funny we were we literally just signed the contracts and stuff and i'm like all right we got 15 minutes to the podcast <laughs> and <laughs> um it's like one of those things where we're like all right well like that money that mortgage money is going to start cutting into the drifting money so basically no one else is no one's going to help me if like no one's going to feel bad if i'm like i can't go drifting because i have a mortgage now so it's just it's like up to me now to figure out okay how am i going to make the money to go drifting well figure out how to do figure out how to make money on doing the stuff that you love car stuff so it like it just it all kind of like comes to like when you get in that mindset of like how can i take the skills that i have and like the skills I know and monetize on them basically. Yeah, that's what it really does come down to. Cause it it's and I do nicer work on other people's cars than my own because I'm such in a rush to like just get to the track or whatever the fuck I'm doing. But mm-hmm. it it also helped me slow down on my own projects too. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I and think... I'm like, ooh, I can't have this because if I show up to the track with this and someone sees that and they're like, You work on other people's cars? <laughs> they'd be like, Don't do that no more. Yeah. I mean your car becomes a rolling billboard, you know, Yeah, exactly. The image that you portray out in public is basically, you know, what people are, how people are going to portray like, you know, you, your business and whatnot, like all together. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. And that's why I also, I've always been anti, um, like I know there's people might get offended by this, but I don't, I've never been on board with like the go smash your car up at the track and like not care what it looks like. And like, I don't care if my 240 has every panel smashed in. I just go get seat time and drive because like in my head, I'm like, yeah, you can go get seat time and drive, but like, why don't you make your car look good in between rounds? Uh, I'm, I'm cool with both. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm cool I with think, it, but you gotta have both cars, style. but you do have to have both cars for that. Yes. If you want to have a missile car, you gotta have a nice car. Correct. And I think you should have the nice car, but I mean, I'm no one to talk cause neither of my cars are nice. Um, but I would definitely consider your um, your pro am car on the nice scale. Not right now, man. All right. Well, I mean, everyone has their ugly. When it when, I, when it first came, when it was first done, it looked good. Uh, it needs it needs to be uh, prettied up, dolled up rather. Yeah, I mean, hey, that's what my the drifty needs. I mean, it is a very clean car underneath and whatnot, but that thing just sat in the southern sun and the paint is rough yeah i bet it photographs well but (laughs) (laughs) up close it's not that great so i gotta be doing something because i don't want to roll up to english town in october 
you know, being like, oh, I have this fresh new build, but the paint is like jacked up. Trash, so I got yeah. now and then. I don't. I might end up just wrapping it for now, but I haven't really decided the route I want to go. But yeah, hey, it needs that's the cheapest route. It really is. I've done the three thousand three times so far, and uh, that's definitely not an easy car to wrap. So I think I might just be able to knock the V out in like a long weekend or something. Yeah, it's not a bad idea. Um, Speaking, of, you said you've been working in motorsports. It, did you want to touch base on that a little bit, if you don't mind me asking, what you do in the motorsport industry? Like, I know where you worked for. I don't know if you worked for them now. You didn't want to. Yeah, so um, I worked for Turn Fourteen Distribution. So they are an aftermarket performance part uh, wholesale distributor, mm-hmm. and I found Turn Fourteen back in twenty. 15 and i worked there for about six years and this was where so i I graduated college in 14 i worked for a year as an accountant for another company and um i was driving 100 miles a day round trip oh no sorry yeah 100 miles a day round trip for work and in the v in the 06 and it was killing me so i started looking for a new job i found turn 14 they were hiring in their accounting department so i made that jump and Turn 14 was six minutes from my house. I could like ride my bike there if I wanted to. And it made sense at the time because I love cars and whatnot. And it was just a good fit. And I worked in the accounting department there for two years. And I, you know, formed a good relationship with a lot of my peers there. Um, but Daryl Sampson, the VP of marketing at Turn 14, he, Uh, We got to know each other and he kind of like saw more of what I was doing outside of work. And this is where I mentioned with the Stansco stuff, like kind of changing my career. And he saw, you know, the size of the events we were having out like Stansco meets and shows and whatnot. And just like how I kind of did social media and whatnot. And I kind of became interested in doing marketing as a career. Mm -hmm. So I went to him and I was like, hey, like I want a career in marketing like you know if you're ever hiring in the marketing department let me know so a few months go by um six or so months and basically daryl took it took a chance on me hired me into the marketing department at turn and it was a great job i really enjoyed it you know i was going to we were working formula drift events drag racing events we sponsored die nfd um at the time and we were doing turn 14 events opening warehouses like traveling events it was it was a lot of fun and i was doing social media stuff for them i was doing a lot of like pr stuff and um basically i was like in the thick of it when it came to being in the aftermarket performance automotive motorsports industry world um going going to pri shows and whatnot and it was great i loved turn 14 but i think i kind of just hit like a wall and i realized that i was going to these fd events i was going to these car meet like i was working cars and coffees and car meets and whatnot and it was kind of making me not want to like go to car shows or drift events like in my free time Mm. so it was kind of like taking like i kind of just made the realization that there wasn't a good balance of like me going to these events for work and then me going to events in my free time for like go enjoy them exactly yeah that makes sense 
it kind of got to the point then where um, I ended up going back into the accounting industry, but I still work in marketing. So I do marketing for an accounting uh, company. So Fucking crazy. Uh, yeah, I know. And they, they even You're say, like, when by they the way, me, I got this little degree. <laughs> yeah. When they hired me, they're like, we weren't really sure what to expect when we interviewed you because like we do accounting and we needed a marketing person and you're an ex accountant that does marketing. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, like, so it's pretty wild. Like, I was thinking the yeah. same thing when you just told me that story. <laughs> so they're like, you're kind of like the perfect candidate. Um, Don't so we're just going to run with it. Yeah. 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 So it's perfect. I mean, and it worked out because basically at the same time, my girlfriend and I had kind of established the fact that, um, she also worked at turn 14. Um, but, we established the fact that we want to move to Florida. We want to go down south. We couldn't stand the northeast winters anymore or whatnot. So she ended up leaving first. She found a, a fully remote job uh, still doing – she does graphic design for a PR company that does like all automotive industry stuff. Nice. And um, So she's still involved in the industry as well. Is she a car uh, girl or she just work in the industry? Uh, I won't call her a car girl. A car girl. I didn't call her that. <laughs> <laughs> I won't call her. Um, not all a right, call so... girl. <laughs> I gotta do that all over again. Uh, no, it's all good. It's all good. So, um, yeah, she's a car enthusiast for sure. She's had uh, two years ago. She picked up an Audi S3. Nice. You know, it's lowered wheels, whatnot. It's a great car. I mean, she loves it. I fell in love with it. Um, but she grew up around it. Her brother's a big car guy. Her dad's real big into English cars and just basically anything mechanical. It's English so, cars. what's English cars? Yeah. Oh, uh, MGs. Oh, um, that's what I was thinking. Okay, he's only sure. Yeah, yeah. So he's got. Um, I think he, he has an Austin Healey and an MG nice. right now. Yeah, so he's got some cool ones. And then, uh, so she's grown up around it. She's been in the industry, and uh, it, it's a good fit for our household, basically. And oh, okay. uh, and then, I mean, I grew up around it too. I mean, my dad was a Philly street racer with a '70 Monte Carlo back in the day. So, I mean, I grew up going to the drag strip on the weekends with him, and basically, that's kind of how. Because people always ask me, like, oh, like how how'd you get in the cars i'm like yeah it's just my dad like being around it you know yeah i have the same upbringing so well not the straight racing stuff but um yeah my dad was always in the cars yeah and like um you know <clears throat> i i was in the drag racing as a kid but then you know uh i feel like I'm not saying drag racing is dying but you know there's doesn't look as fun as your thing, I'll tell you that. Yeah, exactly. And I got plenty of my close friends, you know, they they drag race and I'm like, hey, I mean, that's your thing, your thing's my thing, you know, like we all we're all into different things. It's it's allowed. Yeah. But uh but yeah, so um we we're in the industry together, so she's still in the automotive industry. I kind of took a step back. Um but I and like honestly, I haven't drifted in my car. Like I haven't been to a drift event in over a year. So I, I kind of took a step back altogether over the last year, especially. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, so I'm hoping that once this car is done, I start going to events again. I can get back into it. Um, 
you know, sometimes a break, you know, isn't the worst thing in the world. I agree. But um, I'm excited to get back to it. And I don't know, who knows, someday maybe I'll end up back working in the industry, you know, really never know. I mean, dude, if you asked me five years ago, if I thought my life was going to be where it's at today, I, it would be, it would, it would have seemed like the craziest possible, like the craziest scenario to me back then. So who knows what's going to happen in the future, you know? Yeah, for sure. Uh, that's fair. I can, I feel the same way. Yeah. But I go, I always say it could be worse. It may not be where I want it to be, but I'm not in jail. So we're good. Yeah. I mean, my whole thing is I'm not done yet. I still got, I still got time and I still got a lot of stuff I want to do. Yeah, exactly. Um, what what do you what did you say you had left on the CTSV? Um so basically all I have left is to let me think. I got to finish the tune on it and then um then it'll run. I have to align it and then it'll drive straight. And then I have to get my seat in, get the cage put in, finish the dual caliper setup. And then there's some other little odds and ends, but like big items, that's pretty much it. And then I also just threw the whole wrap the car on my plate as well. But uh, uh, there it really. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Now you go. I was going <laughs> to ask you what color you're wrapping it, but go ahead. Um, the color is going to be um, do vinyl so hard to get right now with how jacked up the world is. Oh, really? uh, so many. Yeah, dude, it's crazy. Like, vinyl's out of stock everywhere, unless it's, like, black. So uh, I'm I'm trying to get my hands on. It's a KPMF color called Gloss Crimson, Black Crimson Bloom. It's basically, at night, the car looks black. When certain lights on hit it, it looks like a very dark cherry red. But then when other lights hit it, it's, like, a really dark purple. Is that, like, a... Um... Is that going to be more of a matte situation or a gloss? Gloss. Okay, that's I was picturing yeah. matte in my head when you were describing the color choose. Kind of almost kind of like uh, well, no, I was going to say kind of like damn, I can't even think of the fucking animal's name now. Um, that's an animal that changes colors. Gecko? No, it's not a gecko. Oh, chameleons. Chameleons. Yes. Yeah. Chameleons. Yes. Yeah. Like a chameleon but, situation. Yeah, kind of. Um. So it's just something that like it'll I feel be a like little. Is wrong, by the way. Really? No, you're probably right, but I just I don't, I don't know. I was gonna use something else. I'm not real big on my exotic animals, you know. Yeah, I'll be right there with you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so there's a couple big ticket items that I just need to finish, mm-hmm. and but other than that, it's like some little odds and ends around the car, and just um, you know, I'm sure there'll be tweaks once I can actually like shake it down somewhere um that i'll have to make before the first drift event but otherwise it's it's getting real close and i'm honestly kind of surprised that i was able to get to this point um as quickly as i did because i literally picked the car up the weekend after fourth of july last year oh so you've had it for a year and you've already you're pretty much almost ready to go yeah yeah that's pretty Uh, bitching i picked it up uh, so basically what happened with this car, like I, I had mentioned earlier that the kid Dylan hit me up and we had been, he had followed me on Instagram for a while and he DM'd me and he's like, yo, he's like, I have the perfect car. 
for you to throw a cage in and like go thrash. And I was like, all right. So this is like two weeks before we're about to move to Florida. And I was like, all right, well, like how much, like send me pictures. Like I'm not really in the position to buy a car. We already have to move five vehicles down to Florida. So he's like, uh, I don't know. They're going for like 8,500. I could probably get, but, um, he, he was giving me the rundown car had 237,000 miles on it. It was really clean. It was sun faded and it ran like it ran and drove fine. Uh, reverse was a little wonky, like the reverse synchros and, uh, but like full disclosure, he told me everything about it. And I was like, all right, man, like I'll let you know. And in my head, I'm like, there's no way I can do this right now. I'm about to move my life. So, um, we basically, we were settled in Florida. It was the end of June by that point. So it was like four weeks later and he actually posted it in the V1 group on Facebook and he posted it for 5,500 bucks. And I literally, as soon as I saw it, it was like a minute after he posted it. Uh, Morgan and I both work from home. I walked up to her desk and I showed her the post. I was like, look at this. I'm like, remember that car I was telling you about that the kid was selling? And she like looks at it and she's like, well, she's like, that's a good price. Right. And I was like, yeah, I'm like, I'm she, so this was me asking for permission basically at this point. (laughs) So, um, her logic was, are you ever going to find a CTSV for less money? And I was like, no. And she's like, well, then you should probably just buy it now because she had known the struggles that I was going through trying to find an S chassis and a Corvette and whatnot. So she's like, why don't you just buy it then like commit to it and you already know the car i was like all right so meanwhile while we're having this conversation dude there were like 10 people tagged on facebook like tagging their buddies to like go pick up this ctsv in north carolina so i messaged dylan and i was like how much do i need to send you on venmo to like take the ad down so i sent him a deposit uh that friday we drove after work we drove 10 hours up to north carolina grabbed the car first thing in the morning 10 hours back down Jesus. Yeah. And then, uh, but dude, it was, it was a runner. It was a clean car. It's cleaner. The underside of that car is cleaner than my 06 that has half the mileage, but spent its whole life in the Northeast. Is it, uh, all rusty and stuff? Uh, my 06? Yeah. It's got the typical rust. It's got the holes in the frame rails on the inside. Sorry, sir. I don't know what you're talking about. I live in California. Oh yeah. Right. You guys don't have that stuff over no, there we don't have these you're you're in a different world over yeah, there when yeah. it comes to deteriorating automobiles exactly um yeah so i'm sure you've seen the rustles that form on the insides of the frame rails by the firewall yeah those look bad every time i see somebody post them i was like better than me yeah so that's one spot and then like the the rear jack points are a little sketch on that car so um, that'll be a project for a later date of just cutting out and, you know, basically, uh, patching those frame sections and, uh, getting rid of all that, uh, spray foam that they filled inside the frame rails there for from the factory. But dude, is that what that the, is? That's a factory thing? Yeah, it's a factory thing. So they Lovely. basically where the frame rail comes down from the engine bay under the car, they filled that all with spray foam to basically just uh, dampen sound to make, you know, your Cadillac ride. So Cadillac. What, so what happens is water gets in there, salt gets in there, it sits, it stays wet, and it just rots through your frame. Lovely. Yeah, so drift car, nothing. Not even, dude, like the the 
no bolts were stuck. Everything came off. Brake lines were clean. It was like blowing my mind. I was like, this is not like right. You know, like it's just, it was crazy. And even still like on, in that same scope of things, my, I have a 2500 Suburban that I tow my car around with and it's rotting away badly. I mean, it's a clean looking truck, but as soon as you look at the rocker panels, you realize that they are very close to no longer existing. And I, when, once we get back to Florida, I'm going to go look at a 2500 Suburban that was actually, it spent its whole entire life in Florida. It has 10,000 more miles. It's like a little over 200,000 miles on it. Mm-hmm. And do the underside in comparison to mine looks like it just came off the showroom floor. I was looking at those because I, I was thinking about grabbing one. Actually, you're the reason I wanted one. Because <laughs> yours is red, right? Yep. yep. Okay, then yeah, there's the there's the reason I wanted one because I was like, that looks comfortable. Dude. If I can tow a big trailer with it because I want to get it enclosed, uh, that uh-huh. would be ideal. Yeah. I mean, dude, honestly, like one of the best like oh like all around package vehicles especially if you're like towing a car to the track yeah because what we did my buddy runs a suv but he runs like a fucking forerunner with a v8 and it's it's kind of small mm. still. okay so yeah what we do with the suburban so mine my red one has the 8.1 liter the big block and uh yeah i mean dude loaded unloaded trailer no trailer it all feels the same all the time <laughs> so um the engine itself is great. The drivetrain is great. But when we're at the track, we um, we can put a full air mattress, full-size air mattress in the back. And we actually, we close the rear hatch. We push the air mattress up against the rear hatch. It goes, it spans from side to side perfectly. And we put our pillows up against the hatch. And we literally have, like, a bedroom. because. And then in front of the bed, we still have, like, three feet of space to like have our like our our clothes like change whatever and nice. like you can really live out of the suburban at the track it's great and that that's ideal well i wanted to get like an enclosed situation but those shits got expensive real fast yeah yeah i bought my my open trailer off of uh, a buddy's dad uh right before covid hit and like shit hit the fan and yeah like an enclosed will be in the future but my open deck does the job for me now yeah, I got like a raise and everything, and I was like, "Oh, life's gonna be fucking great." And then inflation was like, <laughs> "Hold your breath." Yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah, and it's nothing it good because even if like like the cost of enclosed trailers has gone up so much, but I'm like, I know what they used to go for, so it's really hard for me to justify spending that much money now. Yeah, they were like nine grand if you got one out of Atlanta directly, eight grand almost. Yeah, like that's the kicker is that like you know, we saw what things were selling for. And now we see what the new norm is. And we're like, oh, come on. I just got into this tax bracket. You guys are fucking me already. <laughs> yeah, seriously. It's not fun. Um, that's fun. Uh, what, what, are your, uh, what are your goals? Do you have any goals for this year with that car? Or are you just planning on driving it? Yeah, I mean, my goals is to do like one or two events this year. Uh-huh. And then... Um, I really want to. I really want to try and pursue the clutch kickers thing. I mean, I'm not looking to be on a podium or anything like that anytime soon. But I really just want to like get my feet wet with in the whole competition thing. Um, you know, I've been around competitive drifting for a very long time, mm-hmm. and I've seen it in different levels from FD all the way down, like all the behind the scene behind the scenes stuff and what goes into it and whatnot. 
So even just doing my first like street legal comp um, last year, you know, I just I really feel like I enjoy grassroots drifting a ton, mm-hmm. but I at least want to give it a shot, you know, just see see what it's like. No, that's that's fair. See what it's like to be in the driver's seat, you know. So I've always been the crew, but now it's I want to try it out being, you know, the guy that's actually doing the driving in the comp. Yeah, and see if you want to do it for yourself. Yeah, because I know it's expensive and like, yeah, I mean, you know, well, it's it's not cheap. And like with tires and the costs and all that, like it's getting harder and harder to obtain. But, you know, thankfully, Clutch Kickers is close by. Um, it's like from the house we're at right now, it's like an hour and 20 minutes away. And the house we just bought, it's going to be like 35 minutes away. So it'll be very convenient in that sense. But you know, there's all the added expenses of an of a of a drift event. So for sure, um, I want to try and do what I can. You know, I'm, I've always been a very big like I like to save money. Basically, you know, I like to spend within my means. So I don't know. It might. Who knows? It might change once I have the the V gun. But like, it's always been easy for me with the three thousand to just be like, oh, I'll sit an event out because it's like the responsible thing to do. But We'll see what the, we'll see what happens once the V starts going to the track and things like that. <laughs> yeah. having fun with that thing. It's turned up in fucking ridiculous debt. Like the peers of some of these guys who are like all in at like fifty grand. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I start. I'll like break a sweat if I spend more than like five hundred bucks on an event. Uh, I don't mind spending a little bit like for travel and entry fees, but like tires is where it gets you. That's it. Tires is where it gets you. And like, I think to on a mental side of things, when it comes to like helping me be easier with the travel is, I mean, my girlfriend's always right there with me when we're going to events and whatnot. And, you know, we'll make a weekend trip out of it. So there's been times where we've gone to tracks out in the middle of nowhere, Virginia, and we'll drift friday night all day saturday but then we'll go to a winery on sunday so like nice so you kind of make it worth the trip give her something yeah, she likes like, to do i assume ex- well i mean i like wineries too but you know <laughs> uh no i'm not saying you didn't know i was just saying like it's not just about you and drift you drifting getting seat time like exactly you like, make it something the part she could deal with too yeah and like we kind of make it as like an explore new places sort of thing too so like just try and bring a different aspect into it and i feel like when we do that like you don't worry as much about like how much money you're spending on gas to get there because like it's almost turning into like a little mini vacation with some drifting yeah that makes sense you're still getting out and having a good time yeah yeah so we enjoy that you know yeah it got you got really it was weird i was like on this cusp of like finally being able to like afford to get like optimum seat time and then inflation's a bitch yeah and then life happens too so i was like fuck now i'm in the same position i was in when i started in like 2019 like my bills are yeah. paid and i can figure something else out that's yeah that I mean, supplemental income thing comes in that's it right there yeah and i think if there's if like because people have asked me like oh how do you get into drifting this and that i'm like if there's one piece of advice i can tell you when it comes to getting into drifting is try and keep yourself out of debt yeah for sure like try and keep yourself out of drifting debt like you know there's there's better ways to do it 
Yeah, luckily I don't have drifting debt. I do have personal debt, like from other bullshit. But I feel like if I wasn't drifting, like all that shit would be paid off, and I wouldn't be even worried about it. Yeah, yeah. So. I mean, but at the same time, you gotta enjoy life. So yeah, like, there's, there's no a luck. balance. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, I don't gotta pay this shit if I die. Oh well. <laughs> yeah, and you know, it's just like. Uh, what, you got to find that happy balance of like where you're comfortable, but you're also doing something you enjoy. For sure. But uh, I mean, it's a constant struggle. You know, every, I mean, I think it's a constant struggle for every driver out there, and we all make it happen. We all show up. You know, it's a bit like everyone's prioritizing what they got to prioritize to get there. Or should be. <laughs> or should be, yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> What what's your realistic date looking like for like for you to get the car out there and do something? Um, so Haunted moves at English Town, which is the last weekend of October. Okay. So that'll be the uh, that'll be like the official first event. It's going to be going through a tech line at and going on track for. Nice. Yeah. So uh, everything's looking good for it. Realistically. Um, you know, I'll probably do some, uh, there's actually a really cool place right near my house in Florida and, uh, they, it's called Leadfoot city. And it's like, a basically they try to attract the takeover kids there. So right now, every Thursday night they would do, um, car meets. So they have a big parking lot on, on site and they would have a car meet, but then they also have an open burnout path. Nice. So I would go there. It was like five bucks to get in, go there with the 3000 some nights. I'll just do some donuts some figure eights and stuff like that. People love to see it and like, just it, have fun. So I'll probably go there before we bring the car up North, you know, do some donuts, shake it down a little bit. But other than that, the first track event will be in October. That sounds exciting. What weekend did you say it was? Uh, the last weekend. So how, I think it's like Halloween. Oh, I'm going to be in fucking Hawaii. But yes, they do. Um, they do a Friday night drift party and then drifting all day Saturday. And like Friday night, they do like a, a Halloween party at the bar right next. Because English Town has Sneaky Pete's, the bar that's like literally. Oh shit! You're track. driving up north then. Oh yeah, I'm going to E Town. Oh fuck! Okay, I completely drawn a blank while you were talking about this. I thought you were going to do something local in your area, not in fucking. No. Yeah. So. We actually have to go home in October. The last week of September, we have to go home. We have two weddings um, in October. So it was one of those things. It's like Morgan and I both love, like, Haunted Moves is our favorite event of the year for English Town. Uh-huh. And um, so we were like, well, it's October. We're going to be home. Why don't we just bring the car, set that as, like, the hard finish date, and bring the car up, and we'll just stay, like, an extra two weeks and trip the event. I was like, sounds like a great idea. Thanks. So yeah, we're uh, going back to the home track for that one, um, and I'm I, excited too because all the all the boys are going to be there. Like we'll have the whole squad there, and like it'll be like you know, because one of the things to get used to in Florida or when you move far away is when you go to the track, you really don't know anybody. Yeah, that makes sense because it's like uh, it's a whole new scene. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and like I have some friends in Florida, like they come to the track, but like when it comes to uh, like 
trying to like get some tandems in and you're just like that loner dude you're that new guy that no one really knows yeah you can basically suck a dick they don't care exactly yeah, yeah. i get it <laughs> that's fair yeah uh yeah i'm actually going to what you're you said you're from philly right yeah i'll be out there on the 5th of august oh really yeah i'm taking my son to um I'm going to New York doing like an East Coast trip. So we're going to do like Washington, D.C. on the 3rd and 4th. Uh, the 5th, we'll stop in Philly for the day, get some food. Okay. That's, a, that's the main reason we're going there. It's just for food. Um, and then we'll uh, we head off to New York for the rest of our trip for like five days. Oh, nice. Yeah, that'd be a good time. Hopefully. the uh, One of my biggest complaints about Florida is the lack of good breads and foods and stuff really that's Dead. good to know i'm gonna tell my girlfriend don't ever fucking invite me to florida she's a traveler <laughs> she's like, uh, okay so to, yeah she suckers like, with a lot of shit dude the the rolls the breakfast sandwiches can't can't get anything good in florida but that's why when i come up north you know i'm getting breakfast sandwiches i'm getting cheesesteaks i'm eating all the bread products that i can't it's just it's different the bagels everything Really? Huh. That's fucking interesting. Um, I've gone to, so I've only traveled a little bit, but I've gone to Hawaii and New Orleans. By the way, the only reason I've done this shit is because of my girlfriend. Um, Hawaii's <laughs> food was trash. Um, but when I went to New Orleans, that was a fucking amazing experience for the food. Um, yeah, so my girlfriend there as well. I have not, I want to go, but she said the same thing. The food there is fantastic. Yeah, I, I would, uh, I think I mean maybe I'm a little biased because I'm from LA, so we have you know a bunch of stuff here, and that's what I'm used to. But you know, when I went to Hawaii, I was expecting a lot more than like oh no Hawaiian food. Yeah, and okay. that's, yeah, nice. that's pretty much what I got. <laughs> it was it was nothing. There was nothing like to write home about. Yeah, I feel like yeah. I hope no one in Hawaii listens to this and is like, first of all, you're a dirtbag. Uh, secondly, our food's great. I'm like, mm. uh, I mean, hey, at this point, I probably have said something that offended somebody somewhere. <laughs> yeah, huh? it's more of a them problem. Um, yeah, can't everybody. Exactly. Uh, you said you have to only tune it now and do the knuckles, right? And then you're kind of done. Uh, it's the tune and the dual caliper setup. Finalize it. Oh, on your cage. Never mind. Well, yeah, the cage appointment is set. Yeah. That's the end. Uh, last two weeks of August, it's going to Bell Raceworks to get a cage done. Okay. And then uh, what cam did you go with on that car? So I went with a Summit Racing Pro L- Stage 4 Pro LS cam. Okay. I, I don't know the specs on that. I had to look it up. Um, it's, it's like decently aggressive. Um, I don't really know why I went with that one. It was kind of just like a shot in the dark. I was like, oh, Summit makes cams now. Let me try one. Dude. I have a Torker V2 in my 06, and I absolutely love it. Um, I haven't driven the red car yet with it like fully tuned with the cam, but I, at the same time, in the back of my head, I'm like, I probably should have just got another Torker V2. You know what? Uh, I was looking into the Summit stuff, and I'm like, mm, I don't think Summit's going to put their name on anything that's not going to be, that's going to give them a bad name. So yeah. I'm about a thousand percent sure. That whoever is making their cams, their pistons, their rods, their cranks, 
It's just rebranded uh, quality shit. Oh, yeah. I, that makes I agree. Sense. Yeah. Yeah. It, because it's all like private label stuff. And also, yeah, exactly. like the cams are made in the U.S. And I'm like, there's only so many U.S. cam manufacturers. Yeah, that's like ISKI and Comp. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then BTR, from my understanding, is made by Comp. Texas Speed is made by Comp. I don't <laughs> know if that's the case today. Uh, but I know when they started, that was a that was a thing, right? Yeah, definitely. I've heard that as well. Yeah, at that at some point, whether it's still be now or in their history, in their past. It, yeah, exactly. That is the case. Yeah. So, but yes, I mean, I don't doubt that it'll it'll hold up. I mean, dude, literally, the engine has two hundred thirty seven thousand miles on it. I got the heads done and I slapped the cam in it. Oh yeah, see there you go. And an oil pump. <laughs> probably shit. The rings are probably gapped enough with that many fucking miles for boost or um, <laughs> nitrous. Yeah, seriously. And uh, yeah, I mean, I did. I my I wanted to just do maintenance items and a cam and like see what happens. Oh yeah, yeah and, that, look where you're at now. Yeah, I know. And uh, so yeah, oil pump. Uh, I got the improved racing baffle for the oil pan, okay. and then. I did LS2 injectors and just the intake exhaust. And then um, the heads are just push rods, dual valve springs. And I just, all I had them do was uh, make sure the decks were were flat. Like I didn't have any shaved off or anything. And uh, we're going to run it and see what happens. Did you do a compression test first? Nope. YOLO. I mean, I drove the car, so the car drove great. So I Oh, mean, then, yeah, you're probably fine. Yeah, I slapped the uh, plate from my Black V on there, and I taught Morgan how to drive stick on it, and I was, like, driving to the store for, like, a few weeks before you're, I tore it apart. You're just a fucking all-around badass, aren't you? You know, I try. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would never fucking drive a car where that wasn't registered, um, especially a CTS in L.A., because they, they do have a, a lousy reputation here. It's like driving yeah. a Honda here, man. Like Dude, oh, I, mean, I know what those I know what those are. <laughs> like if you're a cop, uh, yeah. Dude, that's uh, that's pretty crazy that you didn't do a whole lot to that thing. Uh, I know I got suckered into the. Well, I didn't I sucker myself into it? When you start overbuilding shit, you're like, oh, what if this happens? What if that happens? And yeah. then like now it's like, oh, I'd never drive my car. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> yeah, I just bought. I actually I bought one of those. Uh, the guy that makes the uh, iron block mount engine mount adapters, Kevin. Yeah, yeah. We're so in a group I just chat bought... together. Oh, uh, nice. So I bought his la- one of his last batches that came in last weekend, and uh, so I'm like preparing for the future because if I mean the LS6 could last one season, two seasons, it could last one event. So uh, I'm kind of just preparing for the day that that car gets an iron block. You know. Uh, I was actually going to make those blocks, but then it looked like it was a kind of a shitty situation. Yeah. I mean, and it looked like even Not on this Not for back- him, just like on my own. Oh, uh, uh, got you. Got you. Okay. Yeah, it was... Uh, but it looks like some... Well, the biggest problem, even with like the parts I sell for this car, everyone mm-hmm. like call, like call will hit me up about it, but a lot of people don't fall through. That's... Yeah, that's the worst thing about Which it. Which is just is business, but I get it. It just sucks. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, but, like, I'm kind of preparing for the worst, basically. But I'm hoping that this LS6, I mean, 
we'll see. It could last. It could last a while. But my whole thought process is it's broken in. It made good oil pressure. Yeah. And uh, when I when I was driving it around, and I'm just gonna run it on some 2050 red line and let it eat. Oh, you're a baller. Uh, dude, red line everything. Really? Yeah. He's, well, I've I've been using uh Lucas because it's accessible. Okay. Everything else is kind of like I gotta wait for it. I gotta special order it. Lucas, I can just go grab from the store. So I got spoiled when I was working at Turn 14. I, I got Redline at a really good price. I bet you um, did. I bet you kept that good price too when you left. I wish. Oh, I'm still not buying retail, but I can't reveal all my secrets. No, no, no. don't. <laughs> but uh, the Redline, I think, I mean, the 3000 GTs are notorious for spinning rod bearings. Um, and I'm convinced even the guy that tuned my car that all he works on is 3000 GTs. He's like, uh, he's like, I don't know how it hasn't blown up. I'm like, well, I run red line 2050. He goes, that's probably why it hasn't blown up. <laughs> so, you know, I I'm just very much a naysayer when it comes to like people who are like, Oh, I only use this oil. That's the thing too. I know it's like, take it with a grain of salt when I say it. Cause yeah, you know, there's no, I'm not shitting on what you're saying, but it's there's the, in the back of my purple head. guys. Like, yeah. Their brand. I'm like it, it's kind of it's at some point it's gotta just be like a fucking brand preference at this point. Yeah, I mean, I how think often the, are people yeah. are like blowing really uh, like getting down to the nitty gritty and being like this motor blue because I ran mobile one. Right. Yeah. Or just whatever. I know I shouldn't say that. I'm just kidding. Mobile <laughs> one, in case you wanted to be a sponsor of the shit show. <laughs> uh, yeah, and like you get. I mean, people do the oil analysis and stuff like that, but again, it's like all situational. I wonder, uh, you'd have to like really put some fucking hard data together for that to be like, this is the actual best oil. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and then there's people that swear by the Valvoline VR1 2050. That's uh, yeah. One. That seems to be the go to. I was actually, I was just using uh, like Mobile One 1550. I mean, you could get it. At, well, you still can, but I think you got to order it now. But before, it used to be on the Walmart shelf, and I would buy it all the fucking time. $23 yeah. for fucking five quarts. I loved it. Dude, Walmart's always got the great prices, too, for that kind of stuff. I know. I would and- buy, like, three gallons and, like, three and two fucking um, filters. Yeah. And you'd be good to go for, like, 60 bucks. That's what people were paying for oil change for their regular car. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, dude, honestly, I think it's a, it's having that 50 weight oil in there is what helps keep, you know, the maybe like the more worn engines or more broken in engines alive. Yeah. I wonder if For any, track abuse. I wonder if any of it would have to do with kind of like. Um, uh, not necessarily just if you could run like a straight weight. It's more of my question instead of having to run like the 20W50 because. Once you get to like certain operating temperatures, I think you're kind of, I don't know if the, I, I want to look, look a little bit more into that. I know in California we can do it um, because our weather doesn't have a huge drastic change, especially like within SoCal. I think it gets as cold as like, it might get cold overnight at 30 degrees twice in one year in Los Angeles. That Yeah, that's kind you know of how I mean? we where we're at in florida it's the same deal yeah yeah and the hottest the hottest it ever gets here is maybe 108 and that would be our hottest day of the year and it's like for one day and to be honest it's usually like 104 105 
Yeah, that's pretty much what kind of like on par with what we're at too. And yeah, like you can get away with running that thicker oil year round. Yeah. When I've lived in PA, it was once October hit, antifreeze went in the car and 530 went in the car. Oh, wow. It was like, keep that shit thin. Yeah. Okay, that yeah. makes sense. And uh, I would run it on, like, and honestly, I really, once the salt hit the road, the car never left the driveway. So I would just run like some, you know, STP or like Supertech Walmart brand 530 in the car because it would really just be getting like the occasional like trip around town or like moving it in, in and out of the garage. Yeah. And start it up once a month just in case. Yeah, exactly. So, and then once, you know, the weather started warming up and we weren't going below freezing at all, it would drain the system, water, 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 and 2050 right back in it. Did not so bad. Ah, oh, all right, man. It is. I know it's late there. It's got to be late there. It's 1030 here. It is 130 here. I, yeah, I'll be, I'll be there in three weeks. So yeah, actually three yeah, weeks so. to the day. I'm on. I uh, land in DC on the third. Yeah, you're gonna have to adjust real quick. I, you know, what sucks is uh, my son's coming with me. Uh, just a little father son trip to the East Coast. But uh-huh. right now he's on a plane to Hawaii, which is six hours behind your schedule, three hours behind mine. And then he oh, doesn't geez. get back till the 29th. So when he gets back on the 29th, I'm gonna pick his ass up, and then on the third, we're fucking <laughs> going to New York, and I'm like, ah. And then uh, we get back on the 10th, and he starts school on, like, the 15th or 16th. Oh, man. Yeah. He's going to do nothing He's gonna do nothing but sleep from the time he gets back to the time he has to go to school. Uh, yeah, on from the time he gets back from fucking Hawaii and then in between New York, he's just going to sleep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's going to be over it pretty soon, I'm pretty sure. That's funny. Uh, I think I'm going to call it here, man. It is late. I got to get to bed. I'm going to be up at 5, unfortunately. It's yeah, dude. Ten thirty. Uh, thank you for coming on. How can people find you on uh, social media if they want to follow you and your builds? So, uh, Instagram is probably where I'm most active. It's Mike underscore Stansco, and then YouTube. That's where I post all the builds and the drift events. So, YouTube is just Mike Defusco, my name, or you can just search three thousand GT drift car, and it'll probably come up at that point. But yeah, that's pretty much where. Anyone can find me. Nice, man. Thank you for coming on. And uh, we'll do this again uh, sometime soon when you have gotten some seat time in the V. Yeah, man. I definitely appreciate it. Uh, it's been fun. And, yeah, we'll uh, we'll have to recap once I have some events under my belt with it. For sure. Then I can bounce some, like, ideas off of another person who's actually driven this fucking car. <laughs> yeah. Then we'll have our, our the little community. We'll we'll, keep yeah, we'll have a little powwow. Exactly. All right, man. Yeah. You have a good one. Have a good night. Take All care. Right, All right, Kyle. All right, thanks, man. Bye. See ya.